Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet. Jesus is far sweeter. In fact, Jesus is so sweet, it's almost too good to be true. In fact, it's almost too hard to believe. Uh, That's kind of what uh, I want to talk to you about uh, today. I don't have any ice cream It is a little too early, and I am still recovering from the holidays, and now it's king cake season here in uh, southeast Louisiana. So, holy cow, I got to take a break. I got to save some space. I can't add the calories right now. So what I'm doing instead is I've got a a nice hot cup of tea because it is so cold down here in southeast Louisiana. It's like 45 degrees, man. Ah can't believe maybe it's like 50 now but holy smokes freezing (laughs) that's poking a little fun at uh, all of our friends and family that are up north now but some earl gray tea a little bit of honey that's sweet enough for me so grab a cup of coffee a cup of tea maybe ice cream maybe king cake and uh, have a little bit with me as we talk about how sweet jesus is All right, so uh, I know some of you may be disappointed to see me in here by myself today because my wife was such a rock star on Sunday, and I've been telling her for a long time that people wanted to hear from her. People wanted to hear her perspective, hear what she had to say, and uh, I'm just thankful that uh, y'all have been tuning in and checking it out and uh, giving her the feedback and the encouragement. Uh, She deserves it. She needs it. She's good. She's got a great perspective. And uh, I'm hoping that we get a lot more from her in the the weeks, the months to come. A lot of ideas coming out of our first conversation there. That was really kind of unscripted. It sort of just happened. I'd been asking her forever, and finally she just kind of basically said yes, and it was she was in my office next door, and I just said, let's do it. So we did it, and and I'm excited for what the future might hold in that department. But today you're stuck with just me. So, sorry, but uh, we'll get her in her, her here in uh, again soon. Today, I got a confession, true confession. I got to admit something to tell this story. I got to admit that, uh, man, I felt like a pretty awful dad, <laughs> a pretty awful pastor. I probably took it a little bit too personally when all this stuff was actually happening in our house. Uh, this is actually... A few months ago, I've got a whole book, a whole notebook here full of ideas for podcasts that I jot down and then I sometimes don't get to it for a while. So this is one of those. This is a few months ago, not that long ago though, when uh, we're doing our Jesus time, what we call it at home. We we sit down after dinner, sometimes we do it in the morning, and uh, we break out a Bible, we, we read the Bible, we pray, uh, we talk about the passage, um, and uh, just try to help disciple our kids, right? Because church is not the only place. Church is not enough. Our world is coming after us, coming after our kids uh, with their ideas, and uh, we got to combat that with more than just an hour in, a week, in one week. So so we do that every day, uh, or at least close to every day, <clears throat> as often as we can manage it. And I don't even remember what the Bible passage was. Uh, whatever it was, it was a very 
harsh sounding passage, you know, it was like one of those passages that really make you want to do something, make you feel like, oh my goodness, I gotta, I gotta try a little bit harder, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing so well. I got more work to do. I don't know. Am I going to make it or not? And so I forget exactly how it came up, but my kids started saying things that were like making me go, wait a second. How are you saved? (laughs) Maybe the kids, maybe one of them even asked the question, like, how do you get to heaven? How are you saved? And I just about like my jaw hit the floor. Uh, I was just like, wait a second. We do this stuff like every day. We got you in church every week. I'm a stinking pastor, right? I, you know, I, I should know this stuff. I should be teaching it well to my kids. I mean, I, I think I drill them as much as I feel comfortable with, like without feeling like I'm overdoing it with them, you know, making them pay too much of a price for being a PK. But I'm like, geez, like, how do you not know the answer to this question? I mean, I got this podcast called Sweet Jesus because I want people to focus on Jesus because Jesus is our saved. You know, this is all kind of, it's all about what Jesus does and, and, and how sweet he is and all that he has done and all that he brings into our lives. And and they had no idea. And I forget how long I let this go on for, but uh, just... Come on, guys, tell me. Come on. All right, enough. You're messing with me, right? But no, they weren't messing with me. They were not messing with me. So what I took out of that experience was obviously (laughs) I probably need to be a little clearer on some of these things. We did read a few Bible passages uh, we did get to Ephesians 2. Uh, it, it, it took everything within me to not get up and walk away in frustration <laughs> from all this. But but I hung in there, and we read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace that you are saved, right? Uh, we did look at verse 10 also about how we're God's workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for works that he's prepared for us to do. Uh, but... That is not how we're saved, right? And so we spent some time going over this. But what this taught me, or or at least reminded me of, is just how unbelievable it really is, how hard to believe it really is that God would say to us, God would say to you, he would say to me, he would say to my kids, that you are saved apart from your effort, that you are saved because of the effort and the good works of someone else. It, it's it's something that is so against the grain of everything else we know. I mean, I think about my kids, right? And what is it that <laughs> probably leads my kids to think that? Well, because I'm probably a little bit of a tyrant, right? Like, this is what you do with your kids. Like, hey, if you do this, these are the consequences, uh, but also these are the rewards, right? So you try to uh, 
provide some kind of uh, reward system, right, to reward the good behavior. You don't want to just punish bad behavior, right? Uh, but but so what that does is it feeds into what the world is always telling us, right? The world is telling us that you are only someone if you achieve X, Y, or Z. You are only someone if you look a certain way, if you uh, have a certain group of people that approve of you, uh, a certain profession, you belong to a certain club of some kind. That doesn't mean like an actual club, but a group group of some kind, a professional organization, a church, a country club, a political party, a particular family. You are in a particular state or a particular region or all these things that uh, we use to make ourselves feel good about ourselves, right? These are the things the world is telling us all the time. You need to do this if you want to be good enough, if you want to make it, if you want people to accept you and love you, if you want to have a successful life, if you want people to look up to you and not look down on you. And so so I'm doing this with my kids, and, and clearly that is coming through much louder and much clearer than the fact that, hey, even if you screw it all up, I still love you. And uh, even if you screw it all up, Jesus still loves you, right? Jesus loves you because he loves you. He doesn't love you because you have done this, that, or something else. And so our our world forces us into this, right? And our minds are wired this way. So no matter how, <laughs> it, it feels like sometimes no matter how much I say it, not just to my kids, uh, but even to Christians, to people like you listening, watching, uh, to congregations that I've preached to over the years, we still naturally fall back into this way of thinking. It happens all the time, and it's evidenced by our behavior in a lot of ways. I don't don't know how much time I'll have to get into those specifics. but So we need to hear the message of grace drilled into us. Over and over and over again. We need to hear it each and every week at church. If there's a Sunday that goes by and I don't clearly tell people that they are saved apart from what they do and only because of what Jesus has done, then I've failed. Because the rest of the world can tell them 100,000 other things about how to have a better marriage, how to have a better life, how to have all these other things, how the world works, and if you do this, you'll get that, right? It's not that those things aren't true, but it's just that the church, a, a Christian preacher, isn't the only one uniquely qualified, uniquely gifted, uniquely tasked with doing that. You can get that all over the place. But a Christian preacher, I believe, I was taught, I think it's true, my experience tells me it's true, a Christian preacher makes sure that everyone hears the gospel each and every week. You know, over the years, there's always someone who has some criticism about that, (laughs) There's always, uh, you know, you said that last week. (laughs) Or, uh, yeah, we've heard that before. Isn't there something else? 
it's not just me, it's pastors everywhere, I think, hear that. Uh, certainly pastors that have, have this same idea, typically Lutheran pastors tend to be uh, have have this way of thinking, but not just Lutheran pastors, a lot of others. And I think that this story just proves that that's, this is why you need to hear it every week. This is why. Because you don't really believe it in every situation, in every set of circumstances, in every corner of your heart and your mind and your life, you're still wrestling with this, am I good enough? Will God accept me? Does he love me? Will he let me in to his kingdom? This is something Martin Luther struggled with tremendously, right? He knew what the rules were. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he tried like crazy to do all those things, and he realized that he just couldn't do it. (laughs) No matter how hard he tried, he was always falling short. No matter how hard he tried, even when he was doing it right, he knew he didn't want to do it, and he despised or resented God for making him do it, for, for putting him in this struggle that would never end, that that would never fully give him peace, that would only keep him striving and striving and striving, which incidentally was a Facebook post over the break around Christmas, just before, just after, that I shared from Tim Keller. He put uh, Buddha's last words and Jesus' last words, and, and Buddha's last words are keep striving, but Jesus' last words are it is finished. That caused quite a stir on Facebook. First thread that got a lot of uh, attention in a long time. A lot of people parsing, well, what were Jesus' last words? I'm pretty sure he spoke more after that. Yes, yes, he rose again from the dead. And 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 some others, uh, other, other comments that came in there. But the point was, is that Buddha and every other religion in the world tells you, keep trying. Maybe it'll be good enough. Hopefully, it's good enough. But they never give you peace. They never let you know, yes, it's enough. And then Jesus comes and says, why are you striving? It's already done. (laughs) Now, uh, certainly pastors, myself included, could uh, do a better job communicating the gospel, applying the gospel, driving it home living the gospel. I think that's actually probably the biggest piece that's missing is we we don't live by these principles, right? Because we live in a world that doesn't really operate this way. Uh, We could do a better job, for sure, communicating the gospel and applying it and helping people understand it and, and bring it into those different areas, those different corners of their heart, mind, and life so that they begin to appreciate it and, and comprehend it. Uh, But in the end, one of the best ways for that to happen is to just keep saying it. (laughs) Just keep saying it, right? And interestingly enough, when you look at people that hear more of the rules, you find uh, there's an entire movement on uh, all over the place, I see it on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook. There are these uh, groups and people that have sort of left behind Christianity, 
and and they're rejecting a Christianity that I don't recognize. <laughs> I mean, I recognize it. I understand it. I know that this is something that actually happens in Christian circles. But my my point is, it's not really Christianity. They're rejecting something that isn't true. They're rejecting a very legalistic, uh, oppressive insurmountable set of rules and regulations and expectations. So when we don't emphasize the gospel, what we actually wind up doing is giving people such a burden that they just give up. They just give up. They they, they can't handle it. And it, it doesn't actually help them to be better. In fact, the Bible, Paul, Romans 7 and maybe a couple of other places, Paul tells us that actually the more we emphasize the rules, the law, the more people are inclined to rebel. (laughs) The more people are inclined to say, this is insane, we can't do it. And in order to relieve themselves of the burden, to, to give themselves some measure of peace, they reject it altogether. Paul in Romans 1 tells us, however, that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And I think what we don't often recognize is that the gospel is what actually empowers people to be good. Now, I've had some arguments with a number of friends and family over the years about this particular idea. And, you know, hey, but you can't tell people not to do anything. No, of course. Uh, if you've heard me on here, you've heard me in my preaching and teaching, of course, yes, there are things for us to do. God does want us to do good things. But we can't actually really do anything good until we have received and understood, comprehended, and applied gospel, grace, okay? Because what happens is if you think, if you talk too much about those good things, the the works, right? Here's what you're supposed to do. You wind up spending an awful time, a lot of time looking at them, right? You're looking at your good works. You're constantly trying to figure out if you measure up, if you're doing enough, if you've done it right. But if you're looking at your good works, then you start to look at your good works for salvation. And if you're looking at your good works for salvation, they aren't really good. Because what are you really doing in the end? What you're really doing is doing good in order to make God approve of you so that you get the benefits that he promises for those who do good. So who are you really serving? yourself, right? Is that really good? To use other people to get what you want? I don't know about you, but I hate people like that. <laughs> I can I can feel them trying to use me, right? We talked about this a little bit Heather and I on uh Sunday. You know, you 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 can start to tell like you get this weird creepy feeling like this person's really only being nice to me because they want something out of this, <laughs> right? Well, what if God wants us just to love him the way he loves us, right? 
And then when we do things, we're, we're, we're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we love God and because we love our neighbor. What's the only way to get there? Well, to recognize that those things have no basis on your standing before God. Paul says elsewhere, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are already righteous, we are already perfect, we are already beautiful and acceptable and wonderful in God's sight. We're received into uh, the family of God, and, and we have a sure and certain hope, sure and certain victory in the future that is entirely dependent upon what Jesus has already done and our acceptance of, our reception of, our trust in that work and not our own. And now we're free to actually do good stuff. If you're looking at your good works for salvation, you'll also either be an arrogant, condescending, self-righteous jerk which incidentally is what a lot of people think most Christians are. (laughs) And to be fair, there's a lot of truth there because I think we messed this up, this idea. up. Or if you are looking at your good works for salvation, you will be driven to utter despair. And that's what I talked about before. You just kind of give up on the whole thing. You just constantly just beating yourself up and wondering and doubting and a lack of peace and enormous amount of anxiety and frustration. Now, in some of the arguments I've had with a variety of folks over the years, you know, they really, really get I don't understand why. Uh, I think it's because they're human and we're in a self-righteous world, a world uh, full of uh, works righteousness and reaping and sowing, and and so that makes its way into our theology sometimes. Uh, but it's it's just so amazing to to hear some of their <laughs> concerns. But what I think they don't often understand is that. It's not that I disagree that we should do works. I think sometimes that's how this comes across, this whole conversation, right? It's not that I don't want people to do stuff. It's that the way we talk about it, you know, if you connect good works to the gospel too closely without being— without carefully distinguishing between the two, like I'm doing right now, maybe boring the heck out of some of you because this is just too much, too too fine a point of theology, (laughs) right? Uh, but, But I do that because more often than not, people are inclined to discount the gospel, to believe that ultimately it's about me and it's not up to Jesus, it's up to me, right? And so we have to kind of, push back on this, right? And and that's what they don't understand, is that the, the minute they start talking about it and the minute they start pushing back on me, what they're saying is, is like, well, yeah, Jesus did a lot, but... See, it's not so much about what we say sometimes as how we say it and and where we say it and why we say it. And And the people that are pushing back often, in my experience is they're real worried that there are an awful lot of people out there that are just going to say, oh, so God loves me? 
and God did it all in Jesus, great, let's party. <laughs> right? And they're just going to live this incredibly licentious life, a uh, life of sin. And But actually, they're already doing that. <laughs> they just think that if they do X, Y, and Z, if they follow this list of rules, it somehow makes up for that. If they were to hear the gospel and then say, great, let's party, then they don't really know exactly what Jesus did. They don't understand what he went through. They don't understand the cost of their sin. They don't understand the gospel, the depths of the gospel, the depths of God's love for them. In fact, all of that other stuff that they would like to go back to doing now that everything's okay and all is forgiven, that means they're still enslaved in some way. They still think those things are what make them special, would make them loved, would make them acceptable in the eyes of others, make them a good person, a worthwhile person, justifies their existence in the world. And so again, we're back to the gospel. What is it that tells you, that tells me, that tells each and every person on this planet that they are loved, that they matter, right? Is it getting good grades, getting to the right school, getting the right profession, marrying the right spouse, having the perfect kids, belonging to the perfect clubs and churches and all this other stuff? That's exhausting. Or is it that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to give up everything to make sure that God could be with you forever. And do you think that knowing that might help us not get into all the the messes we often find ourselves in? Why do we sin? We sin usually because we think there's something more important out there that we absolutely desperately need, right? You lie, you cheat, you steal, because you think that this other thing is going to finally make us happy, fulfill us, prove to the world that we are worth it, that we uh, have finally justified our existence to the world. Well, what happens if... You don't need anything. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to achieve anything. Well, then you can be a decent, loving, caring human being who has the capacity now, has the resources to say no to sin, recognizing it for what it is and recognizing that whatever it is that the devil is promising you will achieve and receive by doing this sin doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things at all. So, go easy on me. Don't uh, give me too much grief over the fact that my kids still, just very recently, a few months ago, needed a reminder that they are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, by God's grace, through their baptisms, because of the work of God and that I love them whether they screw up or not 
and uh, you know the kind of the took it on the chin a little bit about maybe my parenting, which made me rethink my parenting a little bit. It's all worth it if it helps you, if it helps me to remember once again the importance, the truth of the gospel. Are there ways that you can live differently that demonstrate the gospel? Do you need to hear the gospel again? Have you spent some time thinking about it, re- uh, reflecting on it, and recognizing the areas of your life where maybe you need to hear it even more powerfully? I've got a, a, a number of stories. One of them I tell pretty often is uh, you know, rest. Can you take rest? Can you turn off the phone? Can you not uh, check in at work? Can you not check your email? Can you not be doing something, achieving something, accomplishing something for a period each day or, or every week? Because I remember a time, it's probably about three, maybe four years ago now, I had taken a break and uh, we were going to take a vacation during this time. And for whatever reason, it turned into a staycation. We were supposed to go somewhere and we didn't. But now I've got my home office. I've got the church office not too far away. And there was a temptation over the course of that week that I was supposed to be with my family. I'd committed to my family that it would be with them. We'd been pushing things off and saying things like, well, but we're going to have this little break here and we'll do it then and dad will be available then and all those things. And so I I start uh, having this, experiencing this temptation to go into the office, to, to go into my home office, to just check on a couple of little things, to go into the church office. And finally, it just, I mean, God hit me with that holy two by four and he's like, Dude, who the heck do you think you are? You're a pastor. You talk to people about the gospel. You talk to people about faith. You talk to people about Jesus and the rest that he provides. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come on. <laughs> sit sit down. Just be with your family. Just do nothing. Don't you know that I love you apart from what you do? Don't you know that everything that needs to be done has already been done in Christ? Be still and know that I am God. So that's just one example. Uh, I've had a number of others, church work, being a pastor, trying to accomplish things, um, being a parent, being a spouse, being a child of uh, parents also. All those things are areas where the gospel needs to be applied before we will ever see the kinds of growth, the kinds of fruit that we may be hoping for. All right, y'all. Hey, great to be with you for a little bit. Hope this is helpful. Hope to uh, catch up with you again soon. Hope to bring in Heather sometime. 
if you appreciate this, make sure you like and comment and subscribe and and share and do all those things on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Vimeo and all the different places where these uh, Anchor and Spotify and Apple, all the places where this content is available. Don't forget that ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter, and Jesus is so sweet. It may seem a little hard to believe, but what makes him so sweet is that it is true, and you can believe it, and you can find hope and rest in it and in him. God bless you. Hope to catch up with you real soon. Later.